0: You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. topic of relationship. We are uh, speaking about that this month. We're talking about having ordered relationships because all of this year we've been talking about the life you ordered. And what I really meant by that saying is that if you don't order your life, you're going to get the life that you ordered. And so you can't complain afterwards. If you ask for something in a restaurant, if you order it off the menu and this comes to you, that's what you ordered. That's what you're going to eat. And the responsibility for making the and decision decisions in our own lives are, are really up to us. You know, the grace of God enables us to change and to live different lives. But we have to take advantage of those things, and we have to put those things into practice in our own lives. And as we're going through this year, and we're about to take a little change and take a little different direction through September, October, November, but it's still on the same topic. But the final thing, the pinnacle of, of an orderly life is that you love people well. In fact, Jesus said it in this. He said to the lawyer who questioned him, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I don't think you'd be surprised to come to a Christian church and to hear that you ought to love your neighbor. Is anyone shocked and aghast? We, we, this is the normal expectation. In fact, if you are going to love God, you are going to love your neighbor. It's not like an optional extra. It's not something, oh, what? You love God and your neighbor? No, this is the normal thing. And in fact, the person that had come to talk to Jesus at this time was questioning him about true spirituality. How do you genuinely love God? What do is, what is you fulfill commandments? What does it look like? And Jesus answered him. He said, you know what the great commandment is? It's to love God. Love him with everything. Like, no reserves, nothing held back, but everything in for God. But this person also had another agenda, and that was to embarrass Jesus. He did not love Jesus. He loved himself. And so Jesus challenged him and says, No, I know you just asked for one commandment, but I'm going to give you the pair. These go together. you got to love your neighbor. In fact, that's how you tell whether or not you're loving God. Now, if anybody thinks that's easy, you haven't been awake for very long. In fact, there's a, the, in, I don't know if you know the book, Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky, but in the, in the book, yeah, everybody's like, yeah, you said words. I don't know what they were. <laughs> uh, he wrote Crime and Punishment. I think that was his most famous book. Um, but he, he has this character called the rabbi, and the rabbi challenges people, and you have to say it in your best Russian. Everybody says they can love the world. Love the world. Love the world. Love everybody. Love, love everybody. Love mankind. Love, love, love. But if you take any two people and put them in the same room for one week, they will leave the room hating each other. <laughs> you know, love the world in general. Sure, we ought to love. But it's really hard to love people. Have you noticed that? 're just, they're so difficult to love. It's almost like they're programmed to provoke you. So, Jesus, again, then emphasized again and again through the scriptures. Using that as a summary, he says... Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are all summed up in this one word. And then he says it in seven. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But then he takes this thing, this tact. He says, love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. You see how he's taken the commandments that, that highlight the destructive capacity of people. Our power to lust and thereby destroy relationships, hurt people. Our power to, to get angry and, and tear people down. You see, we as, as humanity have incredible power to do damage. And so here in the book of Romans, Paul says, when you're doing the love for God right, it pulls you back in so that you don't hurt people but the commandment is greater than that because when Paul talks about it to the Galatians he says you're called to freedom brothers only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another because the whole law is fulfilled in this one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you don't become consumed one by the other Now, Paul, in this passage, is actually talking about religious people. Actually, that's the topic of Galatians, is are you going to become a religious person, a person who works for your goodness, or are you going to trust in the powerful work of the Holy Spirit within you? That is, are you going to trust in the fruit of your flesh, or are you going to trust in the fruit of the Spirit? And he says a capacity to find fault with one another is actually a way that we consume one another. So he says, every spiritual thing that you think you know, why don't you use that to serve? So in this passage, it's not about don't do bad. It's about do what's good. Do what's helpful. Do what will make people better. Use all of your freedom that Christ gives you to make another person better. Pull out the very best of Christ and add it to others. And so he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that love is really the hallmark of true spiritual maturity. He says, "'If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers so as to understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing.'" And so he's really saying that the life properly lived, the price that's, that's full of spiritual power, spiritual authority, spiritual reality, you know how you best find it? It's not in all of those spiritual dynamics that you hope to do. Raising the dead, prophetic words and tongues, understanding the mysteries of God. It's not in all of those things. It really boils down to how do you treat people? And then he says it's really down to two words, patient and kind. And then he begins to describe a bunch of other things, but they are all really a reflection of these two ideas, patience and kindness. So we're going to talk about patience today. You see, love love is patient and kind because patience absorbs wrongs and kindness gives undeserved good. Do you see? Patience just sucks it up. It just takes the pounding. It takes all those squeaky, annoying irritations. Did you ever do this when you get onto an airplane? You survey your surroundings, especially if you're going to be locked into a seat for 15 hours. First thing I do is scroll through the movies. What, what am I going to do to get myself through this? So, you know, and they, even before you take off, I'm already loading them into my favorites list. Because I've got to have hope that this is going to be bad. But before I even sit down, I'm looking around. Are there babies? Where are the babies? Where are the babies? Because the babies, we know the babies. The babies don't go all right, especially in the going up and the coming down. The babies start to make the noises, right? How much of the screaming baby can you take? How much can you take of the six-year-old with the knee in the back of the seat? Right? How much can you take? Are you bottled up all? See, patience just absorbs all of the wrongs in life. But kindness is what gives out. Now, I spoke about kindness online. I wasn't here, but I spoke about it online last week and catch up on that. But today we're going to be looking at patience. How do you learn patience? I, I know that you already have an idea. I want to blow that up today. How do you low patience? If you are the mom in that picture, and you are trying to do the difficult work in front of you, and you have that child pulling on your arm for attention, how many tugs of the arm do you have in you? If you're like Glynn, and it's your granddaughter, your grandsons, you can pull his arm completely off, and he still has patience. Granddaughter, not grandsons. <laughs> Certainly not his own sons. (laughs) Certainly not necessarily the wife. (laughs) Not necessarily his pastor. (laughs) You see, we all have that, we all feel like there's like this uh, amount of patience we have, right? You can take the one, you can take the two, you can take the three, you can take it for 10, for 15, for 20 minutes. But then, do you feel like your patience leaks? Like there's only so much patience reservoir that someone can draw from before you're like, I'm sorry, the next time you put your hand in there, it gets bitten off. (laughs) So, in the world of the instant, waiting feels like a trial. You may not know this, but you, as a culture, as a society, and me, we've changed. People used to be more patient. But we've been surrounded by advertising and instincts and services that provide things for us right now, right? right now there's something wrong if I'm waiting in fact I was listening to a podcast uh, about it was about sort of getting better as you're in your professional environment and the person that was doing the teaching was a, a leader of a large hotel chain in the United States so hundreds of hotels and his job was to notice the trends and equip the staff for the conditions that they're living in he said this he said 20 years ago when he started in the hotel business if a person came into the hotel lobby and tried to be checked in as a guest, that they, they would wait for an average of 15 minutes before they got irritated and kind of went up to the desk and said, what's going on here? What's taking so long? He says, now it's three minutes before they're done. People used to wait much longer, and now we get angry in a minute, in three minutes. We're like, that's I, the, not long ago I... I was was building a new uh, workbench for my shop, in uh, my shed. Because I've got a workshop now. Thank you, Jesus. And I needed a pile of steel to, to make all the framework out of it so I could take it home and weld it all up. So I went down to the steel place. Now, I like to buy things really cheap, so I didn't go to a super organized steel place. I went to the bargain, cheapo, steelo place, you know. So there's there's just one guy, and he's a bit ragged, and, you know, he's running around all this pile of steel. And So I go in there, and I've been there a lot because I buy a lot of steel. So I'm in there, and I I think, you know me. You see my face. You know purchase person here. Money coming. And I walk up to the yard, and he was having a good old yarn to somebody else who he also loved the face of. And I thought, well, that's right. He'll be done. He's probably doing an order. No, they're just talking. And so you know, you do that thing where you kind of like you're waiting in the distance, and they're like, "We must not have saw me." I'll just kind of mosey closer, you know, and walk into the office, walk back out of the office. I'm trying to give him all these hints that here I am waiting. He's not noticing. And so I watched myself boil. (laughs) How long was I going to stand in the yard before I walked out? It was 15 minutes. So I think I did better than the hotel guy. (laughs) And I got in my car and I drove away and I said to myself, I will never go back there. Because how dare you? And as I was driving in the way, the Lord was on my heart going, well, how did you do? There's this uh, story. I don't know if you know this, but Moses, the leader of Israel, um, in the time of the Old Testament, giver of the law, he received the law by going up on the mountain to meet with God. For that, he actually went up and down the mountain seven times. It's hard to read that in the story, but that's what happened. But this time, he says the Moses went up the mountain, and the cloud covered the presence of God covered the mountain, and the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. I'm thinking, see, when I read that scripture first time, I was like, Lord, why didn't you just call him on the seventh day? Why on the, why, or the sixth day? Or maybe he needs traveling time. Give him on day five. If you're not going to talk for six days, is Moses just supposed to sit there and wait? Because I know that if the Lord had called me up, oh, Joe, come up the mountain, I would have ascended the mountain. Yea, Lord, here I ameth, cometh unto thee, take my shoes off or something, get kind of prepared, notebook out, ready to go. And I probably would have lasted at least 15 minutes, half an hour, before I started thinking, did. Did you say now? Am I early? Wow! Because I could have been down there having a rest. I'd, like watching telly. There is some Netflix series. Like, if, if, hey, listen. If this would have been you, would you have not got irritated with well within the first couple of hours? I would have been, Lord, you're wasting my time here. Now, the question then I thought was, was God teaching Moses patience by making him wait? And then as I was thinking about this scripture, and this is what I'd love you to think about today, was God being patient with Moses who was not ready for seven days? Who was waiting for who? Was God ready on the first minute to talk? But Moses was just blah, 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 air and this, mirroring that, the thing with the tambourines. You know, <laughs> go like, was Moses not in a place to hear from God? Was Moses ne- good, never going to understand God? Was Moses too full of himself? Was Moses too busy? Was Moses too irritated? Was Moses not okay to receive what was so important that he couldn't be distracted? He needed to be focused. You see, who was patient for who? You ever hear that, um, that saying, be careful what you pray for? Because if you say, oh, please, God, give me patience, you know what's going to happen, right? He's going to put you in bad traffic. He's going to give you irritating people. Your employees are going to be crazy. If you said, dear God, make me more patient, your perception is that he's going to give you a trial. Can I just say, I don't think that's biblically right. There is this time where Jesus was up on the Mount Transfiguration, another mountain story. Having just spent time revealing his glory with the disciples, they come back down. It says, when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you all arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him. He said, teacher, I brought my son To you, because he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and he grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast the spirit out of them. They're not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Now, for most of my life I've read those words of Jesus in a tone of voice that's very familiar to My parents. Oh, faithless Joe. Oh, weak Joe. Oh, Joe who irritates. Oh, Joe of a trial. How much longer shall I bear with you? Oh, ye of little faith. I've sometimes said this to my wife at times Jody, how much longer shall I bear with you? Has it? it? I've never actually said it. I've only, like you, thought it. Because to us, it sounds like the words of a man that's running out of patience. But I've learned that in this words, there's something else. There is the expression of patience. The question is, how much longer is he going to bear with you Can I tell you how much longer? He is going to bear with you until the end. That's the answer to the question. The problem is the disciples don't know it. They think get it or go. Figure it out or move on. That God in Christ is going to run out of patience. And that simply is not scripturally true. So patience means long-controlled passion. That's what it means in Greek. Or a long-suffering or forbearance. So it's something you hold in and you hold on. You, You bear with the difficulties. You bear with the difficult person. You face the trial. And you don't explode because you bear your feelings a long time. But today we are taught everything happens now. And it's not just American culture or Australian culture. It's the crispy Chinese version. It's the McCurry pan. It's the McPuff. You see, what, what, what they figured out at McDonald's was that people wanted stuff now. And they'll put up with worse food if they get it now. Because I want it now. And it's horrible, but it's now. We, we as a society, have run out of patience and we can't even wait for quality. And what they know... And have taught us is that we should expect more things now and we shouldn't have to wait. Instant waste loss. Nobody ever advertises, lose weight the slow way. (laughs) You're never going to see advertising about that because no products would sell. Instant relationships. Nobody then has the endurance to go through the long relations to get to the valuable solids at the end. Jody and I are celebrating 30 years this year. That is a woman of patience. But our relationship is a a million times better than when we started. Like, it's just so much better because the good stuff comes the longer you endure, the longer you grow, the longer you love. But we want even instant patience. Oh, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. Now, in 1995 to 2020, so a good 25 years of data, the Federal Aviation Administration initiated an average in Of 182 investigations into unruly passenger behavior, 182 per year. In 2021, they had 1,081. 494% increase of passengers who's had enough. Do you know that some events they say in society are accelerators of things? For example, when COVID came along, a lot of businesses were going online already, bit by bit by bit by bit. When COVID came along, suddenly all of the out purchases happening online, it was an accelerator. One, one person I listened to said that they took their company's online stuff, they took it 10 years in advance. Where they thought they, where they might be in 2030, they ended up being in 2020. It just, it rapidly increased it. Now, what they found is that COVID is actually doing this everywhere. It's increasing society's trends. It just made it faster. Things about uh, uh, people leaving church, they left faster than they were already leaving church. But also the deep societal trends like patience was already going down. And because of COVID, it went even faster. And you can imagine all of these people who feel like they've put up with so much already because of COVID. And now I have to get onto an airplane and wear a mask. Oh. And people were blowing up. But they're blowing up because there's an expectation that things should be different. Having to be patient and wait has become a signal that something is wrong. You know, when I, when I boarded all the planes that I had to board, and there were many of them. There's this lineup, and they always do this nanspan. You know, American Airlines would like to welcome passengers flying in the luxury class of amazing people who've got lots of cash. (laughs) We'd like to get you to line up now and sit in the better seats. Even though your seat when you get on the plane is better than everyone else's seats, we want you in those seats before everyone else. And they just give you, and you see the people, you know. They they usually have, like, no carry-on except for a little little uh, trolling bag that's made out of some executive leather. And they, they wander up. Excuse me, I'm in the important line. Excuse me, pardon me. And, you see, and then you see those other people that, in the airport that don't get it. They've never traveled before. And they're like, they heard the announcement. They're like, oh, do we get on? Do we get on? You know, and they're pulling up. And they're going down the fancy lane. No, no! You, there is the junior, no, not important person line. That's where you are. Not the important thing. And then you see the people, they don't get it. They walk up to the gate and they're too early and they're not supposed to be getting on in the wrong line. And the, and the people at the desk are like, no, you're not important enough. But that's the, See, that's the signals that I get. That if you're important, you don't wait for anything. You know, when you go see the queen, she makes you wait. You don't wait for her. Or sorry. Yeah, that's right. I said that right. Sorry. I didn't try to get that right. So we end up with this signal that if I'm having to put up with stuff, then something's wrong. The truth is, putting up with stuff in the kingdom of God is where the mature people live. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5:14, We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Now, that also means be patient with the first people on that list, which was the idol. The people who look lazy. The people who look like they're not trying hard enough. The people who aren't doing anything. You need to be patient with them. Not just with the weak, who've got maybe internal issues or problems or things that they grew up with that they're not okay. We've got to learn to be patient with everyone. Because the more mature you are in Christ, the more you put up with the immature around us. That is the hallmark that I've grown, that I can take the lesser position and put up with those who don't get it and who aren't okay and are hurting me because of their ignorance. So, do you want to learn patience or do you want to have patience? We think that patience can be improved by putting our less patient hearts through trials. Difficult traffic, problem people. Oh Lord, you're teaching me patience. Like, we believe that through pressure and duration that we will be able to grow our less full well of patience, somehow filling it up with trials. But isn't that like trying to get a tree to grow taller by putting it in a smaller container? If you want more patience, it's not about weakening your patience. It's about putting you in a deposit of a well that is of unlimited patience. Patience. You see, we, how do you have patience? You receive patience. When, when God writes to us, love is patient in kind, he is talking about what he's doing with you right now. He is patient with you. He is so patient. I've, I've prayed this prayer to the Lord before. I don't know if you ever have, but I've said to the Lord, I wish you didn't have to be so patient with me. Have you ever done that? Like, I wish I wasn't such a don't, like a dunderhead that doesn't get it. I wish I was a better student in the class. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I repeat lessons so often, and I'm blowing things I've blown for years, and I think, why don't I get this? And I think, Lord, why do you have to be patient with me? So one day I was praying this to the Lord. I said, Lord, I wish you didn't have to be so patient and kind with me. And he said, well, then how else would you know my love? You see, the patience of God is how you know how much he loves you. The limit of his patience is unlimited because his love towards you is unlimited. There's never a moment where he goes, I've had it with Anna. That's it. She's out. Because that would say that God's patience was somehow filled into its end, which means his love ran out. But the truth is, no, his love is new every morning. Every bit of Ash's life that has drained the patience of God gets filled back up. Every minute of every day, it's new again. As his leader, I wish I... No, I just... No. Patience, brother. You see, we use love, the idea of love, as an expression of what we like. I love hot dogs. It means you get something good out of it. I like footy. I like it. I get something good out of it. But God says you can tell what love is when you endure what you don't like. Love is only revealed when you are not getting what you want. And when you stay with the person, that is love. Love is how you treat the people and things that aren't meeting your desires, but you stick with them anyway. And love is patient because God is patient. So... 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, he says, The saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. You see, Paul says... I am not up here as an example because I can do miracles, because I can lead the church, because I preach the doctrines of grace. He says, I am not up here. You're not supposed to look at me as a success story that God endorses. You're supposed to see me as a failure story that God put up with. In me, God displays his unlimited patience because I was horrible. And God just went, you know, Paul, I'm going to be there with you until you get it. I am going to take all the time in my eternity to help you get there. Paul, you're coming with me because I love you. And Paul says that is what you're supposed to notice. He is so patient with you. And that's why Paul could be so patient with everyone else. Recently, I was, uh, I don't know if I told this story before or not, but I was invited to speak at a men's thing uh, about a year ago in a church that took me about an hour and a half, two hours to drive there. So they invited me. I said, yep, great, no worries. I was going to go to this men's event. Prepared all of the preparation time and then a drive there. And when I get there, there's no men's meeting. No. I was like, oh, what's, what's going on? So I walk around in the church building. And I found a, there was a small group going on. I grabbed a guy and said, am I in the wrong place? Where's the men's thing? The men's thing? Oh, yeah. So they went and found out, yeah, 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 we canceled that. Because, oh. you know, COVID. And I thought, heh. All right. And they're like, oh, well, do you want to stay around here? And, talking. and I said, eh, no, that's, that's cool. That's cool. And then they were super worried. They were super worried I was going to get angry. You know, I've been important. Look at me. I've driven a long way in my car. I had to prepare, write things down, read the Bible. They thought that I was going to get super upset. And I just thought, yeah. So people who organize stuff and forget, that's me. <laughs> That's everybody who's ever worked with Joe. He is so bad at organizing stuff that they have filled up my well of patience with people who get things wrong. I was like, God bless you guys because it really doesn't matter because if we were to put up the tabs of people who had to be patient with me because of my bad organization and the times I've had to put up with people because of their bad organization, we're still in a win here for me. So I got no issues at all. I just drove home and I thought, thank God, thank God for patient people. <laughs> See, we need to recalibrate our limits of our patience often. It, it says in Galatians 5.25, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And what that really means is that the Holy Spirit is doing his fruit. He's doing it his way, not our way. Because there's a point in life where we decide that's enough. You have ever, ever those limits. That's enough. One more time. If that neighbor's dog barks one more time, and we do that, we we put the cap. We measure it out. We say that is the limit. After that, I have got absolute permission to go ballistic to cut that person out of my life and never speak to the again, to, to them again. To You know, we just, we just do that. We say, here it is. Now, what I just like to say is the Holy Spirit's limit and your limit are not the same limit, <laughs> right? And since you're going to have to rely on his fruit and not your power, it's better to go with him because he wants to teach us a new way to live. Uh, he's got a lot of patience. It's inside you. Just let it flow. But you have to know that you've reached the limit of yours, and you need to recalibrate against his patience and go, "Oh, I don't, I don't know if you've ever worked with uh, 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 tapes like measuring tapes that you that would pull out when I, I, I used to work in construction, and, uh, and every time the boss would see one of us um, taking the tape and you know, it would be all along the long way and along the lock and to, and then it winds all the way back in and he like that. Every time the boss signed he must do that. He'd be like, just yell at us. Obviously, no patience. Because, he said, don't you realize that every time that that snaps shut, it stretches the connection. The metal that that little hook at the end connects to, it makes it a little bit longer. And then every time you go to use it, your measuring tape is just a little bit longer than it used to be. You see, Your measuring equipment in life for how much should I put up with is completely affected by the world in which you live, and you need to get your mind into the mind of the Spirit and have your patience recalibrated. Because, listen listen to me, you and I, we have a sense of right and wrong. It's a sense of justice. And we feel like if I put up with more than I ought to, then I'm being taken advantage of. I need to put my foot down. I need to put boundaries in. I need to tell that so-and-so, so-and-so. <laughs> yes. But those those moments, that time limit, that amount, is calibrated by everybody else in this world. And we need to go back to God and say, what do you say about this person? What do you say about this situation? What do you say about this person? Because his version of helping that person become more is different than yours. And the world needs patience. It needs us just to love them even when they hurt us. It needs us to be there for them when they can't show up. It needs us to have something from God to help them. If, you, if, your marriage, if you're married, in your marriage, you're always getting this patience because other people just irritate you. Your family members, your children... Your parents, all these relationships, it's, it's hard to manage them because we think, how much should I take? And when we respond in that human limit of I've had enough, we actually hurt. Like he says, when we don't love, we hurt our neighbor. When we stop loving, we stop serving our neighbor. But if you want to know what it's like to live an ordered life, it's about love. Our measurement for patience can be off. We're not measuring God's patience towards you correctly. And we're not measuring our patience towards others correctly. So my my encouragement is just this. Stay in step with the Spirit. If you think to yourself, I have done too much wrong. I have not gotten it enough. I haven't been able to and God is finished with me or frustrated with me or about to switch the tap of grace off. Your measurements for all of that are wrong. God is so patient with you. And it is in that patience that you are learning his love for you. That he loves you absolutely and he's never going to run out. And he's never going to get angry. He's never going to blow his stack and have enough. He blew his stack once. And it was on the cross of Jesus Christ. When all of his wrath for all people for all time was poured out on his son. He took God's wrath so that you could have God's love. And if you don't know the limits of his love, look at the cross. He is willing to have his son die for you because you couldn't get it. And he's okay with that. Now, if you know that love, if that's the pool of patience that you live and swim in, then that is the patience that you'll have for others. If you ever find yourself going crazy about people or getting angry with people, then go back to God and just see how much love he has for you. Let that heal your heart and give you what you need to help you love others. So, Father, we thank you for your patience towards us. We thank you that that patience is not expressed in a toe-tapping, you know, anger-building way. But, Lord, your patience towards us is in a gentle rhythm, a gentle kindness, a gentle emotion, a, a constant reassurance of, of love, of affection. Lord, I pray for all of us because I think that every one of us here today watching online, everybody needs to know more love. We need to know that patience that you have for us so that we, so that we really walk in it. We really, we really are grateful for it. We really just celebrate it, and so that we really have something to give other people. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Spirit, I pray that you would give revelation to every person about your patience towards them. Lord, let them know the depths of your love, the height of your love, the width of your love, that when you measure out your love, it is unlimited, unmatched. It's not even understandable. Lord, I pray that you would give us a revelation of that love towards us so that we, have, we live in that revelation, that we walk in that revelation, and that we love out of that revelation. Lord, for people who are in difficult relationships, people who are very hard to love, Lord, I pray that you would give us grace, grace to be patient with them. Help by your Holy Spirit, the fruit of your Holy Spirit inside of us so that we can love others that are difficult. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be just like you. And Lord, for any person here today that feels as though you have had enough or cut them off or have turned away, Lord, I pray that you would give them an open perspective, an understanding that your face is towards them, that your love is towards them, and your grace is new and it's renewed every single minute of every day. Lord, help us to know that incredible love in Jesus Christ. We thank you for this now in Jesus' name. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.